Hello, I'm John Kung. I have a new cookbook out. It's called Kung Food by John Kung. And one thing about me that people might not know is that I have two very large pit bulls and they look fantastic in pearls. I'm Jesse Sparks, and this is The One Recipe, a podcast that turns to chefs and home cooks with a big question in mind. What is their one? That recipe that packs a ton of warmth and comfort into a nice little bowl. This week, we're really getting into the meat of things with Chef John Kung. If you've seen John's hilarious and thought-provoking cooking videos on YouTube or TikTok, then you've likely seen his life in Detroit and those two pearled pit bulls. But if you haven't, here's the rundown. He's the author of the new cookbook, Kung Food, Chinese-American Recipes from a Third Culture Kitchen. And he's a co-host of the podcast, One for the Table with Kim Chi, who you'll also hear on another episode of this podcast. He's been featured in stories exploring how chefs from social media have reshaped the American cookbook. And that's not an understatement. You're going to love him. So here he is. John, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. It's great to have you on the show. How are you doing? Congratulations on the book. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here, and I'm doing really great. You have been all over the place, both on social media and online, but also just running around starting to, you know, promote your new book. Can you tell me a little bit about it and why it's been such a passion project for you? Yeah, so this book has been two years in production between me writing it and then producing the book. And it's taken me all over the country for whatever reason, whether it's just like me needing a different place to write or me going off and trying to find inspiration or doing research somewhere. So it's taken me all around and I've done more traveling these past couple of years than I ever have probably in my entire life. And it's been <laughs> great. I've really gotten to know a lot of like big cities that I never thought I'd ever feel like all that intimate with. And it's just been really nice. So anyone who has seen your social media stuff knows that you call yourself a Farmer Jack era Detroiter. Can you kind of explain what that means for people? So Farmer Jack was Detroit's last chain grocery store. And it closed, I want to say around 2007, 2008. And it closed during like the Great Recession that had hit Michigan long before it hit the rest of the country. And so for a period of years, the city of Detroit didn't have a single chain grocery store within the major city, with, within its borders. It was definitely on its last legs and it wasn't a nice grocery store, but it was, it was the one that I went to when I first moved here. And it, because it was such like an iconic brand, people generally, if they under, if they knew Farmer Jack, they knew around the time that I was here when I say that. Right. So it's just a really great way to kind of signal to people who are actually from Detroit. Right. Instead of people who are like, oh, I'm from Detroit. And it's like, you're from Ann Arbor. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's, it's so much fun. And it's great to hear kind of where your home base is right now. But I'm also curious to hear a little bit more about the crux behind the book. So you've done a lot of work to teach people about both cooking Chinese food and third culture cooking. Can you kind of 
summarize? Okay, let's start with third culture people. So a third culture kid is somebody who grew up in a household that is of one culture. Say my parents moved directly from Hong Kong and got settled in. So the culture of my home is very squarely and deeply rooted with their Hong Kong roots. But then the minute that you step out of the door, say that home was in Toronto, uh, the culture that is outside of your home is wildly different from that of what is in your home. And so being somebody who grows up in that environment, they learn to switch back and forth between cultures very rapidly, very instantaneously. And they learn how to navigate both and they understand the intricacies, humor, culture, food of both places. And so third culture whether it be food or fashion, is very much rooted in one culture, but at the same time is very at home in another. So it's it's bicultural in a way, but it's something that is not specific to one culture, even though I call myself like third culture Chinese American. But you could have the same understanding and feelings as somebody who is a Mexican American or a Nigerian American or somebody who is like Vietnamese British. Like those people have that same learned experience. And the things that they make tend to be so squarely informed by both that it's as if it's two lived experiences distilled into one thing. Oh, I love that so much. So it's also looking at it in a way that's very additive, almost like a superpower of sorts. You know, we've seen so many narratives and so much writing on code switching and looking at how to navigate these cultural conversations in a way that can feel or that has felt in the past very isolating. Um, But what you've been doing through the book is both honoring, you know, the isolation, some of those harder feelings too, while also really working to remind people that Third culture cooking at its strongest makes everyone feel at home, even if they're relating to different aspects of the dish or the cooking. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So a very common lived experience of third culture people is feeling or growing up feeling like they are some kind of diluted version of either their home or parents' culture or the culture of the place that they live in. Uh, Chinese Americans, for example, are no strangers to feeling othered within the country of America. But at the same time, if you ever sat down at a Sunday family dinner, a lot of people just know very well an auntie might sprout off saying like, oh, are you even Chinese? You're not that Chinese because they're just not as, quote, Chinese as they are. So we, we do walk through our lives like feeling this kind of diluted version of of some kind of culture or some people where the book itself kind of flips that around and says like no you're not you're not like a diluted version of anything you're actually just an amalgamation of something else and when you put things together you actually end up being more and that that is kind of what the book celebrates hell yeah being more more yeah. is more exactly yes <laughs> So as you were kind of talking about earlier, you've also been doing a lot of travel and just so much research, both for this book and for all of your cooking endeavors. Um, Was there one person that made an impact on your cooking or taught you a lot about maybe a certain style of Chinese cooking you weren't familiar with before? Well, it was nice to see that 
in my travels, um, kind of like a confirmation of my theory of third culture cuisine was being put into practice within like the professional realm. You had like Mr. Jews in San Francisco and you had like a lot of like fine dining Korean restaurants in New York and all of Koreatown in Los Angeles. All these places and establishments kind of playing with that idea of like, you know, professionally cooking the food of your culture, but at the same time, understanding you are in the greater United States and incorporating other things like uh, Mexican influences in Korean food or Western influences in Japanese food. What my book tries to do is like bring that home with you because what you don't get when you go out is home cooking. And that seems to be like, to me, the missing piece of like being able to cook in this very exploratory and celebratory way, but doing it at home with the food that grants you comfort, that food that makes you, that you feel safe with. I'm not a very big consumer of food media outside going out to eat. Uh, but <laughs> one of my greatest inspirations actually comes from like one of my, my closest friends, um, Kim Chi, who is a drag queen and was on RuPaul's Drag Race in season eight. Uh, when it was her season, there were very few, if not any, Asian representation in the world of drag. And what Kim did was fuse together the look and fashion of traditional Korean dress in with the grand theatrics of drag. And it was so inspiring to see an Asian person incorporate their culture into something that is also very culturally significant, but you would not think that they would go together. I think she was one of the first people to do that, at least on television. And therefore, that's why it made such a big impression of me. And then a couple of years later, we became really good friends. But <laughs> yeah, they were, they were, they were a big inspiration to me to like actually go into this and explore into like what it means to mix in my cultural base in Chinese food with everything that is around me. I love that so much. And I love how casually you say, oh, and now we're friends. Like, y'all don't have a podcast <laughs> yeah. together yeah, called One for the Table? Yes, and we also have a podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> we we just casually met up once or twice. But it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's so, so beautiful. And I love both the opportunity you get to just relish that experience and that profound impact that Kim had on you while you're also getting ready to have that same impact both through your social media accounts, but also through the book that's coming out later this year. Thank you. So now I'm really, really curious to hear what this actually looks like. So what is your one recipe? Is there one recipe that stuck out to you in the process of working on the book? The recipe that I think about when it encapsulates this kind of like uh, this new fusion, this third culture cuisine, would be the lion's head meatball dish. And what a lion's head meatball is, is this pork meatball that actually has like other things put into it, but it's massive. It is cartoonishly big and it is first fried so that you can develop a nice crispy layer around it so that it holds together. That's how big it is. Otherwise, if you braise it, it would fall apart. And then you braise it slowly. So normally it's served in like a thick Cantonese style sauce or soup um, in the book you have the traditional preparation and then you have my quote third culture preparation where I incorporated into like a spaghetti and meatball 
And so you have that same meatball with two different interpretations of its use. And I just thought it was so nice to have there because like in my mind, my my first experience with spaghetti and meatballs was like as a kid watching it on Lady and the Tramp. And for some reason, <laughs> like those meatballs just like really they weren't that big. But when I was little, they seemed that way to me. So I just wanted something that was just like super real and i was able to achieve that using like a chinese preparation of a meatball and then cooking it in an italian style or italian american style so so what does the lion's head look like uh so the lion's so it's not it's it's <laughs> it's called the lion's head meatball because it's mm-hmm. so big it looks kind of like the mane of a lion but if you can imagine <laughs> like it, it it's it's large and it's round like a lion's mane so it's uh that's why they call it the lion's head meatball there's no there's no lion this sounds delicious so can you talk me through the steps of making it yeah so in the meatball itself you have minced vegetables in the book you have like napa cabbage and water chestnut and the special ingredient to the lion's head meatballs besides minced pork is you also put in crumbled tofu and not a lot of people like to mix or think to mix tofu with their meat but what it does is those tofu crumbles mixes in with the meat it holds so much moisture like tofu is moist no matter how much you cook it so that because of that the meatball stays super juicy and super, super tender. And tofu is a completely neutral flavored thing. So you don't even know that it is in there. Um, So you shape them off and you shape them into like, I would think like anywhere between tennis ball size or larger. And then in a wok full of oil, you fry the surface. You don't cook it all the way through. You just fry the surface until it's nice and brown. And what that does is that it creates a nice little crust layer and it holds everything together. You take that meatball after that, you strain it, and then you have a broth or the marinara sauce, and then you finish the cook of the meatball inside a broth, which would be the Cantonese style or the marinara sauce, which is like my Chinese American style. And then you serve. Yeah. John, this meatball sounds great every single way you could possibly cook it. So how do you serve it? So the way that you would serve the meatball would either be in the Cantonese way, which you could serve it in a very light and flavorful broth. And the broth that you use could be one from the book. I would uh, suggest the herbal chicken broth. It is a light chicken broth that is also heavily spiced. But when I mean spice, I don't mean spicy. I just mean it just uses a lot of spice. So it's like lots of depth of flavor, great intense chickeny flavor that you would get from a Cantonese chicken broth. So you could serve it up like that. You could add in cornstarch to make that broth into a sauce, or you could serve it up in the other preparation in the book, which is you put it on some spaghetti or you mix some spaghetti in with a marinara sauce with some like torn basil. Oh my gosh. This is me trying to live my cloudy with a chance of meatballs yes, dream. Yes, and just... it is exactly that. Yes, yes. <laughs> just pour this this meatball and these this marinara sauce all over me and we're great yeah. to go. <laughs> what spices are you using? How are you seasoning it? So I would season it with a little bit of white pepper for just like some nice astringency as well as a Chinese five spice blend, uh, which is also going to be something that is in the book itself. Um, and what that does is, um, the five spice blend is a very sweet and savory, very balanced and warm flavor profile that leads itself to that 
very Cantonese flavor of just a little bit of anise and just a little bit of cinnamon. It just blends in with soy sauce just beautifully to create a sweet aroma over a savory base. But because it is so like herbaceously sweet, it also leads itself to tomato sauce gorgeously. And so it brings out the innate sweetness and the innate fruitiness in anything that you cook it with. So for tomatoes, it's just a great blend. So the, the way that the meatball plays with both Cantonese and um, Italian-American flavors, you don't have to do anything to the base meatball. It just bounces back and forth between it very well. Oh my God, it sounds so good. <laughs> and and the the five spices that you're talking about are typically just the combination of star anise, cloves, Chinese cinnamon, Sichuan pepper, and fennel seeds or white pepper, right? Uh, yes, uh, the Sichuan pepper can also, it's either Sichuan pepper or licorice root. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm obsessed. I need to make this meatball right now in both the broth and the marinara. John, thank you so much for coming on and thanks for making time. Of course. Of course. Thank you so much. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks. Bye. John Kung is a Detroit-based chef and the author of Kung Food, Chinese-American Recipes from a Third Culture Kitchen. You can find his recipe for lion's head meatballs on Instagram at the.one.recipe and at theonerecipe.org. And hey, if you liked what you heard, you can like and subscribe. It makes a world of difference. This week's episode was made for you by producer Erica Romero, associate producer Maria Wortel, technical director Derek Ramirez, and digital producer James Napoli. Sally Swift is our managing producer. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Schaffer, and Joanne Griffith. Beth Perlman is our executive producer. The One Recipe was created by Sally Swift and Erica Romero. I'm Jesse Sparks. This is APM Studios. Go make some magic. <laughs>